Another great episode of Mystery of Parenthood coming up. If you like what you hear, go to redsearadio.org, click on the donate button, and become a monthly sustaining member. Please support us. Thank you, and God bless. All right, you know what that means. You are listening to the mystery of parenthood. Uh, welcome aboard. We'll begin as we always do with our prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord God, from you every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity, Grant that every family on earth may become for each successive generation a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. Grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. Grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the Church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in the family and through the family. We ask this of you, who is life, truth, and love with the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Holy Family of Nazareth, pray for us. St. John Paul II, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. So uh, so I thought, yeah, I guess I'd, I kind of came up in a in in a homily yesterday regarding uh, Eucharistic adoration. And I mean, I was thinking back to when 24 perpetual adoration was begun in this town. Mm. Um, it would have been, I think in the late nineties, like maybe 98. Wow. 99. Last century. Yeah. <laughs> last century. 20, I would, I guess last 20 millennium. plus years. Um, I remember specifically it was Monica Ashour was teaching RCIA and and kind of announced friend of the show friend, of the, friend, show, of, friend of the show Monica uh, with with uh, Tobit mm-hmm. um, and she was teaching and was had, was expressing great excitement about the fact that there was going to be um, perpetual adoration in this town and uh, you know the amazing thing is is that she. I remember her saying, you know, the, the, the things that are going to happen here uh, as a result of there being perpetual adoration now um, will be tremendous and unforeseen. And, and, you know, I was thinking back through, well, first off, that by, its, that by itself communicates what we do believe is that, that anytime we're giving what God is due, worship and, and that and spending time with him, um, an hour, 10 minutes, whatever it is, um, that we are giving to him what is due. And as it multiplies across an area, um, his blessings naturally flow out from that. And I don't, you know, when I think back, I think of, you know, Coalition for Life and then 40 Days for Life and, you know the the, the uh, how much St. Mary's has grown in the interim, the vocations that are coming out of here, um, and how faithful Jesus has been um, in this time. It, it was at least it was brought up that there was at least some concern because the bishop wants at least two people for perpetual adoration. That's twenty four hours a day. That means there's some, at least two people with Jesus at any place where there's perpetual adoration, but. Two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning, four o'clock in the morning, you know, midnight. Uh, at times that normally people would not think to be um, at church, and um, and that that's been able to be held, you know, as a as a standard or as something that's going on in this town for that long. I mean, I don't know exactly when, but I would say it's got to, it's, it's at least 20 years, probably a little bit more than 20 years. If my memory, we're pushing a quarter of a century, right? It's it. I, I believe that's very close to accurate uh, without having done any that. And and all the great things that have come out of 
um, out of this town's making time for Jesus as part of their day. And so I thought it was a good time. And then this, this year, is it the next three years? That, the, yeah, beginning this year for the next three years is the nationwide Eucharistic revival called on by the USCCB. Right. So we're going to talk about, we were going to talk about adoration. I know that um, Thaddeus just found something from, from our Bishop, Bishop Vasquez. Yeah. This was from Bishop Vasquez uh, sent out on Sunday, um, his message in his week in the weekly update. And he wrote, let us remember that ministry flows from worship. In sacramental theology, there is an axiom, lex orandi, lex credendi, lex vivendi. This Latin phrase means that our prayer leads to belief, which leads to living out our faith. And every time we worship God worthily in the mass and daily prayer, we are spiritually fortified to go out and minister to the world in word and deed. And then he closed by saying, during this time of Eucharistic revival, let us spend time with our Lord in adoration so that yeah. our ministry in the parish and our work in the world will be rightly ordered and bear much fruit. Yeah. You know, it's, it, it's, it's not fun. I mean, going through theology, their class, I remember discussions talking about, you know, that, that prayer is always the beginning of any work. It's got, it, it has to flow from that. And that runs so frequently contrary to kind of just the secular way of looking at getting things done because to take an hour of your day um, and to go sit without the eyes of faith looks like an unproductive time. However, it's probably the most productive time you can spend in terms of the ability of Christ to work with work in you and through you uh, in a way that, is beyond what you could do by yourself with your own plans, your own, um, just pull yourself up by your butt bootstraps kind of work. And, um, that runs a little bit contrary. That's kind of what Monica was saying, you know, when she said there are going to be great things that come out of this town for this town, having it, having Jesus, um, being perpetually adored, um, throughout various parishes here in Bryan College Station. It's a piece of that. It also re- reminds me of my of my mother, and I was talking to my one of my daughters about this, and she used, she used to always say, you know, if you really feel like God wants something and you need some additional prayers, go to the Pink Sisters. And uh, are you familiar with the Pink Sisters? No. Well, the Pink Sisters, I think, are they're called uh, – uh, they're – they're Eucharistic adorers and they wear pink habits. Um, I think they're currently like up in Philadelphia, but they used to be in Austin because I remember as a little kid seeing them, but she used to always say they're, those people are, their prayers are powerful because all they're doing is being with the Lord. And if you put your, put your prayers in their hands, um, it's additional help. Um, but I think that, that we as Catholics, we as, we as Christians need to, to really kind of from, from a faith standpoint, go back to, yes, you know, we have things to do, but the fruitfulness of what we do is always going to be linked ultimately. It, the fruitfulness as defined by, by God himself, um, that fruitfulness is going to flow from our connection with our union with Christ and and that adoration is the is a way of worshiping outside of the mass that is um is productive um and i i need to go in fact i was right before you walked in i had looked up uh how to put my name down for that one cuz we want to keep we want to keep eucharistic adoration perpetual um we don't want to lose that cuz that's been a gift to this town um and to all the things that, I mean, Jesus has been faithful through that. So anyway. Um, yeah, I noticed the encyclopedia, the Catholic encyclopedia entry that you uh, sent along for us to possibly speak from. Um, it notes, the primary and fundamental element in adoration is an interior act of mind and will. The mind perceiving that God's perfection is infinite, 
the will bidding us to extol and worship this perfection. Without some measure of this interior adoration in spirit and in truth, it is evident that any outward show of divine worship would be mere pantomime and falsehood. But equally evident is it that the adoration felt within will seek outward expression. Right. So that, that gets down to that we're, we're human and, and what we do, um, what we, what we spend our time doing it always communicates more about what we believe than what we say. <laughs> um, hopefully those are all coupled together, but um, just think about as a parent in terms of like hanging out or as a, as a husband or a wife, spending time with the person, your daughter, your son, your wife, your husband, um, is more important than just saying, I love you. It's your presence and being in their presence and with them, not necessarily with anything to do other than to be with them, is more communicative, if that's the correct word, of one's love than just the words, I love you. Uh, that should all go together, but but words are cheap sometimes. It's mm -hmm. what you do. And so the act of the will, that's another thing. We don't do things always just because they make us feel good, right? I mean, we, we, we make decisions based on what we, uh, who we love, on um, what's important to us. And sometimes that causes difficulty, but we do it anyway. I mean, we, you know, we get up when the child is sick or crying in the middle of the night. We get up and take care of them. We'd like to sleep, but, but we get up and do it because it's what we're called to do in the moment. And so I think that it's important to remember that you don't have to feel like going. Um, I found that when I get, sometimes I'll drive by and I'm driving by and it'll just come to my mind, hey, I can just stop in. And literally, I'll go in five, ten minutes if I'm in a hurry and just slow down for a second and say, Lord, I'm here. <laughs> and may or may speak, not your servant is listening. speak, your servant is listening and just try to sit there in, in peace. Um, and I've found always that it seems like I either have more time or more energy or whatever. It's not why I do it, but, but, but when I've done it, I can tell you as a, as a, I was telling Thaddeus before, you know, going to mass to, to daily mass has dropped off in terms of me making time. That's again, that's something if you, if it's important, I should make time to do adoration is something that I should do. Fulton Sheen, you know, would always, when he would have his show on television, would always say he would always spend an hour, the hour before, um, the hour before he went on air to just be in, in his, in his presence and to offer the show. And if you've ever watched him, uh, ever had the opportunity to watch any of his old shows, um, you can see the fire within him and, and the, the ability to communicate that, that he would attribute to, um, his time with the Lord in that. So I'm, I'm trying to encourage myself, um, um, to act <laughs> according to what I believe, um, mm -hmm. in, in a more consistent manner, which means I need to get my rear end to, uh, adoration <laughs> and, uh, spend more time there. The cool thing is he's, I mean, pretty much any parish in this town, most any parish, um, St. Mary's because you don't always have all you don't always have enough people here to staff that they they do partial and it's usually usually around the school year and around school times. Um, but there are other parishes here at any moment in time. You literally, if you're passing by a church, you can just pull in, and they're usually open, and you're able to just walk in and hey, Lord, I'm here, you know, and that that might be all that 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 you have to do. We'll talk a little bit about. About that, I was going to give the some of this of what you said. I, I think is kind of contained in this, but this is from the Catechism of the Church of the Catholic Church. It says, "Adoration is the first attitude of man, acknowledging that he is a creature before his Creator." This is from the Catechism. It exalts the twenty six twenty eight. It exalts the greatness of the Lord who made us and the Almighty power of the Savior who sets us free from evil. Adoration is homage 
of the Spirit to the King of glory, respectful silence in the presence of the ever greater God. Adoration of the thrice thrice holy and sovereign God of love blends with humility and gives assurance to our supplications. So I would just, like I said, you don't have, I mean, it'd be great if you can invest an hour, but, but just to spend five or 10 minutes in his presence is that. And, and I, I don't know where this is from. I believe it's from, um, from Vatican one with regard to um, what happens but it was explained to me that that what they taught is like just being in his presence, the grace, we know his grace is there. And it's like sun, you know, like like what happens when we're in the presence of the of the sun, the sun in the sky are we are impacted <laughs> by that. If we if, if our skin is is in the presence of the sun, then we get tan or burned or whatever, but our, but it has an impact on us. In much the same way, we're placing ourselves in the presence of the rays, so to speak, of Christ's um, grace that he's pouring out to us in his presence. So um, I think that's important to remember. Yeah, this is from uh, Sacrosanctum Concilium, the Vatican II Constitution on the Liturgy. This is number 61. Thus, for well-disposed members of the faithful, the liturgy of the sacraments and sacramentals sanctifies almost every event in their lives. They are given access to the stream of divine grace, which flows from the paschal mystery of the passion, death, and resurrection of Christ, the font from which all sacraments and sacramentals draw their power. There is hardly any proper use of material things which cannot thus be directed toward the sanctification of men and the praise of God. I love that stream of divine grace. Right. And that's the sense that he's, it, it's just pouring out to us. And, and, and like it said, there is some, his grace is available. It's like any of the sacraments. Uh, there, there's a, there's a sense that our disposition, not a sense, our disposition impacts the ability of God's grace to impact our lives. If that makes sense. In other words, our, disposition matters in that. And I think that's part of what um, was said in one of the quotes that you had and maybe even echoed by Bishop Vasquez and certainly here that, that um, that we're making an act of the will Mm -hmm. and that we're, and that we're not just going and sitting there without any reference to him. It's not just another room to go, Hey, it's peaceful there. Um, You're in the presence of God and and if it, my will and my intellect are working together to say i'm i'm sitting here in this room with the god of all creation with the one who died for me the one um who created me the one who created everything that i work with and i'm here to give myself back uh to him and I, it makes me remember a story which i've told before um my Mother-in-law, God rest her soul, um, tells the story of her going to to the Adoration Chapel to pick up um, pick up Jesus, the, the Blessed Sacrament, to be able to bring to somebody who was sick in the hospital, and and uh, there was this old Cajun guy sitting in the, in the room, and and uh, I can't do a Cajun accent. I wish Stephanie was here so she could, but um, but he like she's walking out, and he's like reaches out his hand and says, Hey, stop. And he goes, what, what, what's in that box? Cause I see people come in here all the time. <laughs> what's in that box. And, um, wait, this is in the chapel. This is in the chapel. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and she had to give a quick, you know, this, this is Jesus. And obviously, you know, that, that, that speaks to sometimes how people can just go through, the motions of doing something without really knowing that, that to me looks like God's grace to prick his heart, to make him stop her to ask, what is that? You know, uh, why he was there. I don't know. Maybe that's where his mom always brought him. I mean, those are the things where you have to help make connections as a parent with your children and, and with yourself is it's not just being in the presence. I mean, 
listen, if you had no understanding and you, and you were in there, it would still have an impact on you. But when you realize what you're doing, why you're there and who you're in the presence of, and that you're willing that, that disposition will have major impact on, on your life. And so Jesus is there. I've brought people that didn't, that didn't believe to a chapel and said, this is what, and that they didn't believe that. But I still believe that'd be like anybody else back during New Testament times or, or when Jesus was walking this planet, bringing somebody and saying, there's the Lamb of God, you know, mm-hmm. there he is. And I still believe, regardless of how the person responded, that Jesus had an impact on that person, whether they knew it or not, because you can't be in his presence without it having an impact on you, um, whether you know it or not. So anyway, um, I think it's important that when we go, that that's what we did. You know, that's that's the mentality that we have. I thought it was pretty cool in another article that that um, that we had was were some of the saints. And, and this is in an article. Um, I was just about to use that. Oh, yeah, section. I was going okay, to from. Do? I was going to use the uh, St. Teresa quote. Yeah, do, go ahead and do that one. There's multiple. She here. she said the time you spend with Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament is the best time that you will spend on earth. Each moment that you spend with Jesus will deepen your union with him and make your soul everlastingly more glorious and beautiful in heaven and will help bring about an everlasting peace on earth. Now, what struck me about that quote from St. Teresa is she's almost suggesting that being in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament, assuming she means exposed, has a um, a cleaning aspect to you. It will make your soul everlastingly more glorious and beautiful in heaven. It's it, it somehow yeah. It impacts us regardless of whether we know. I I'm, I think what she's communicating is is what I think the church would say is you you cannot be in His presence, body, blood, soul, and divinity without it having some impact on you, whether you recognize that or not. Right. So maybe an analogy here would be, she's not suggesting that it has, um, it's not like taking your car through the car wash. That's what confession is. And that's what some of the penitentiary rites of the mass are for our venial sins. But maybe this is putting the wax on the on the car putting the polish on the inside of the yeah maybe I don't know. after it's clean it's it's ma- gonna make it gleam it's gonna make it more you're more disposed we're more disposed to yeah, so do the you, right thing if you go to if you go to confession and you, and you go to mass I mean there's that emptying of ourselves that allow us to be more filled with his grace mm-hmm. and 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 sin is what mm-hmm. what blocks or limits the impact of, of grace. So we have something to do, but it doesn't, it, it doesn't mean that there's not grace pouring out. It's yeah. Just, like too, too often, maybe we think about, we limit the capacity of God's grace to just a removing, um, right. Action. Not a fill. And what she's saying is there's an addition. It's, it adds glory to you. It adds beauty to you. The more that you're in the presence of, of God's grace, provided that you're right, we, sacramentally disposed. Right. And we did, and we did, um, I've talked about this before and, and I was using, I didn't use, um, oil and water, but, but St. Francis de Sales talks about that's basically what happened. If we're filled with the oil of sinfulness, I mean, that's not the exact words of iniquity or whatever, um, that limits the amount of, if, if God's grace is like water, it, it stifles the ability to do that. Mortal sin actually blocks it, mm-hmm. but even venial sin, um, stymies it, so it to interrupts speak. It. it interrupts it or at least limits it, uh, to some extent because you're not fully open. So if we go and make a good confession, and 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 make a good confession. Then we've emptied ourselves of that. If we're real, I'm a good confession, meaning obviously we're we're sorry for what we did. We we intend to try to do our best not to do it again, and we open ourselves up. That's why it's important to try to go to confession before you go to mass. It's imp- important to go to confession relatively frequently, in order to 
open yourself up more uh, to God's grace, which is there for you. So it's not, you're not increasing the grace. It's just your ability to access it or to for him to use it to change you is made more evident. So these all and and there, I would go even so far as to say there's nothing to be ashamed about if you haven't been able to go to confession, you have something on your, your heart, even if it's not a mortal sin, but you just you don't you recognize that you're not properly disposed to go to mass and not to make not to go to communion, to make a spiritual communion. Right. And and um if you know there's a there's a the, I would talk to a priest in terms of what what's going on, but I would make I would make an effort, and it is there are times when you should probably avoid receiving communion until until you get there. But mm-hmm. that comes. But I would talk with somebody about your situation, preferably a priest, mm-hmm. um, in in that to do it. And especially during this year of the Eucharistic revival and the emphasis that we're trying to the church wants to put on the Eucharist, it's the reality of, of the real presence. You know, what comes along with that is like you were saying, more frequent confession. Right. Let's, let's go to free, let's go to confession more often and let's go to the Eucharist more often. Right. And, and it is one of those things. And I've got, I'm pointing at myself here. You, you, for things that are important, we make time for those important things, right? I mean, you, we block off a calendar. It's not something that accidentally happens that you eat dinner with your family or that you go to a meeting that you're supposed to be at work. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you, you make time for it. Right. And so confession and adoration and making sure you're at mass, you know, certainly on Sundays, but then, but then, maybe try to fit it in are all ways, but it's important to recognize that grace is what God gives us to actually be able to transform us, a participation in his very life that allows us to accomplish more what he wants out of our lives and allows us to become the saint that we're created to be, that, that he wants us to be. Mm-hmm. And so where do you find those graces? We we know that those graces are made available in the sacraments. Um, top of the list, source and summit of of the Christian life is the Eucharist. Jesus, body, blood, soul, and divinity, making himself present and giving himself to us um, to unite himself more closely with us. Mm-hmm. Um, but all the sacraments have that grace. And by the way, on a show of Mystery of Parenthood, it's important to mention that marriage uh, is a sacrament and grace is made available in living out that sign. Because remember, a sacrament, <laughs> an outward sign, a visible sign of an invisible reality instituted by Christ to confer grace. Grace is basically the very power of God that is given to us to help us become who we were created to be. So the sacraments are where we find that. Obviously, Eucharist adoration is an extension of the Mass, and there he is present in the monstrance for us to go and be present with him. We cannot consume him at that, but we can be in his presence and allow him to work on us, so to speak. But what I would say is this, and I've learned this recently, is when we do find ourselves um, maybe in a, in, a, in a sin or in something that we feel like we're, we've separated, the best thing to do is run to him, not wait until on that. So we might wait for communion, but, but we would not wait. You, you can go and be in his presence in the adoration chapel and say, help me with this, help me overcome this, convict me of it, make me sorry for what I've done enough and give me the strength to be able to overcome this, this evil. So anyway, mm-hmm. um, I want to go to the quote from St. Alphonsus. Liguri. I, I was going to do that. Why don't you do it? You're better. So <laughs> I <think laughs> that's true, but sure. Uh, um, quote, Know also that you will probably gain more by praying 15 minutes before the Blessed Sacrament than by all the other spiritual exercises of the day. 
True, our Lord hears our prayers anywhere, for he has made the promise, ask and you you shall receive, but he has revealed to his servants that those who visit him in the Blessed Sacrament will obtain a more abundant measure of grace. Now, I, I know you want to talk about, or we want to talk about the praying of the 15 minutes, but here's what struck me, that more abundant measure of grace made drew my mind to the parable of the talents. Yeah. Where there's the the king or the master is giving out, okay, here's 15, you know, isn't it 15 talents? Or five. Or yeah, 10 or five. One, Maybe it's 10, five, and one. Yeah. But here's 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 a servant with the most, and he goes and invests it, and he gets ten more, right? Right. Doubles it, and then here's the, the more he has five, I think it is, and he goes and invests it, and he gets he doubles that five, correct? Right. And then there's the servant who gets the one talent, and he buries it. And I'm wondering, you know, is that parable in light of that quote from Saint Alphonsus? You know, is that person who got the the most talents is is that what Saint Alphonsus is talking about? The person who goes to oh, yeah. spend time with the master in the blessed sacrament, or just the person who you know goes kind of above and beyond with making the Lord the center of their day, making the Lord the center of their their week. Right. And so I think, I don't know, when I think about the, the talents, I think of the fact that it wasn't that one, anyone, the one that, 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 had, that got one was given one and he was called to do something with that one, the one that had five. So all of us have different callings in our life and by whatever measure there is out there. Mm-hmm. It speaks to the fact that what gifts we receive, and obviously one of the definitions of grace is that it's a gift. It's something that we receive unmerited gift. It's merited by what Christ accomplished, but in terms of us, we're not gaining that. Mm -hmm. But I think if you go and sit at the foot of the master asking for it, he wants to give, right? And, And for you to be open, he wants to give that to you. What that looks like in terms of like the, the measure of how it impacts you, there's what he has called for you. And that's what he, that's, so he gave the one expecting the one who received one to do something. And he would have received maybe not the the same, but he would have still would have received good and faithful servant, right? That, that would have still been his thing, even with the one that he had to right. do something right. with it. So that the, that's the good, that's the, the good news, but we have to go, and be in his presence, ask for his help. And that, like like he says, anywhere we pray, ask and you will receive. So, Lord, I need your help in this moment at this time is always a place that we go. And God is always, that's a prayer that God is going to honor, right? I mean, he wants to give. There's an infinite graces available. <laughs> it's us putting ourselves in a position to receive our receive that grace and to sit in his presence to be in his presence is obviously a place where he would um we know he's there and in faith you're doing it and you're sacrificing something to be there right i mean you could be doing one of a number of things on your things to do list and you're taking time um to be in his presence so like any relationship it's like wow, you're here, I'll pour out my graces to you, which I think is what the way I would read that, an abundant measure, meaning he's always going to give more, even more than you ask, I think. Um, he's that abundant. He's that extravagant. He's that He loves us that much. But I think too many of us, myself included, put all the other stuff that we're doing ahead of it and we fit it in and around like extra time as opposed to, okay, that's ultimately where my life is going to be most impacted. Every aspect of my life is going to be most impacted. I'm going to be a better husband. I'm going to be a better wife. I'm going to be a better child. I'm going to be a a better banker, a better Mm -hmm. whatever you are Mm -hmm. if I'm taking time to be and say, Lord, help me with this. Give me every grace that you have for me. And I'm here to receive it mm-hmm. um, out of obedience, out of love, 
out of knowing who you are and who I am. I need your help. And I think that's, that's a prayer um, that you can. So, um, so I think that, um, you know, the idea of St. Alphonsus Liguori is saying is it's sitting there waiting. God is pouring it out, you know, just go and spend some time. It's not like he needs two hours or three hours. He, St. Alphonsus is actually just saying hey, 15 minutes to be in God's presence um, and is something that's going to have a greater impact on your life um, than all the other stuff that you might do. Not that you would stop the other stuff, but just making time um, for him is that. So, What do you like to do when you go to confession? What's kind of your... To adoration? Ru- sorry, to, to adoration. What's your kind of routine? Well, I, I mean, usually I... I mean, I, and I think that's one of the beauties of it. You don't have to have um, anything planned. Um, lots of times when I, particularly if I just drive by and will pull in for 10 or 15 minutes to just be in his presence, it, I just will go in and say, hey, I'm here. <laughs> Lord, give me whatever it is that you want to give me. Um, if it's peace, I want it. If it's direction, I want it. If it's anything just I'm here and you know obviously you can bring scripture and read whatever you're studying there and to be in his presence um, to read in his presence and let him speak I think a a great prayer for going there you've already said speak Lord your servant and is listening I'm here Um, and that's biblical I'm you know to say I'm here I am (laughs) uh, is Going to your Lord and saying, what do you have for me to do today or in the next hour um, and and go with that? I mean, obviously, I, I would normally bring my Bible with me or, a, or an app if if I've really felt held there. There are prayers on um, iBrievery and, uh, and other apps that, that are specifically for being in, in, um, in the presence of uh, the Eucharistic presence of Christ, uh, in adoration, um, any of those things. I would say this, whatever you're occupying yourself with, especially there because you're in a room, um, in silence is try to quiet yourself internally, um, and try to really focus on, I want to hear you speak. I, I want to hear something from you. I want to be moved to do something that I didn't know. And so as much as we pray or are reading scripture or whatever to stop and try to just listen, and that's probably the hardest thing. I mean, that that's the hardest thing to naturally do because we think we're just sitting there, but we're not just sitting there. We're sitting there at the foot like Mary and it was just a recent reading, right? Mary and Martha, right? Yeah. To sit this last a, Sunday. Yeah, one thing, you know, one thing is necessary, you know. Um, Mary's chosen the better part. The better part. And so we can kind of get in line with Mary and sit at the foot of the master, so to speak, and just, I just want whatever you have for me. And it's so contrary to natural thinking, I think to just sit there. But, but in faith, we know he is present. We know that he loves us. We know that he has plans for us. We know in faith that, that he wants to act in our lives. And so what we're doing is saying, I believe all that. I, I, I believe all that. That's why I'm here. And Lord speak. <laughs> in, in your experience, how, do you know when you have actually heard something from the wow. Holy Spirit? That's you know that was my my son asked me that the other day because I've I've had instances where first I think there's definitely a sense of whatever that voice is it's not mine because it's not something that I would say. It's entirely so a sense of otherness to it. A sense of otherness, like there's that, something. It's not like a, a necessarily an audible voice. No, 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 no. But, but it's an internal voice. And that for me, it's never been like a dissertation. Like say, hey, Trey, you know, it, it's usually a few words 
did I know what is being said and I understand how it, at least in that moment, how it applies. And then, and then the other thing is that it's completely consistent with my vocation, my call with what the, what I know the church teaches, you know, it's, it's something there. I mean, I was t- the reason that, and this is not Eucharistic adoration, but, but I was telling my son and it was one of my biggest sadnesses of my life. My, my, my mother had died. I mean, I'm sorry. My grandmother had died. My mother was dying. And my uncle, um, who had been living with my grandmother was by himself at, at his house. And we kept trying to get him to come visit us at the lake. We didn't go visit him, but we were up there. He usually would come and he would say, I'm coming, but he never would show up. And so I was leaving to leave the Stephanie and the kids there. And I was leaving to come back to work. And very clearly I heard, go tell him that God loves you. God loves him. It was like, it was a recurring, go tell him God loves him. And I, much to my chagrin and sadness that, you know, I said, I, I'll see him in two weeks. I'll tell him then. Um, he died before that two weeks came mm. uh, completely unexpectedly. Mm. And I know he had been in a great deal of sadness, but that's one of those things where I told my son, I said, you know, sometimes you'll hear, you'll, you'll know, and I'll knew exactly go tell him. It wasn't mm-hmm. like go tell Rowdy. It was go tell him mm-hmm. God loves him. Mm-hmm. And I didn't mm-hmm. thinking that I had more time. Yeah. I've had, I've had other instances, you know, my, we have the, the, the trust, trust God, do good. And he will act which I don't know if I've ever told the story on here, but, but the bottom line is I, you know, we were, we were in a financial struggle really bad. And, um, I was going to go do the things I needed to, to do to help with that financial struggle, turn off cable, do the things that I needed to do. And I pulled out, had less than a hundred dollars to my, to our name as a, as a father, that's a really distressing circumstance and, and was pulling out after having, read Psalm 37 over and over in my head. I was hearing, trust God, do good, and he will act. Trust God, do good, and he will act. That was what I had heard. I'm, I was pulling out, and the and this guy that I had known when I had more means said, they're going to turn my lights off if, if, you, if I don't get my bill paid today. Could you help me? To which I was trying to talk my way out of it. And I've very clearly heard, you know, I'm hearing trust God, do good, and he will act as I'm thinking, but that's been in my head all morning. And, and I hear check the order. And that's when I, when I heard check the order, I said, okay, trust God, do good, and he will act. And I um, said, okay, well, I have enough money to pay your $65 bill. And I went and, and did the good. But so the, the, that's, and again, check the order, um, go tell him God loves him. Those are things that that are. There check other. the order. Mean remember if the first thing it says is the first thing I'm telling you is trust, trust, trust me, God, trust me, and then do good, do good, and then God will act. Um, and so that's always. I mean, I wear a bracelet every day in my life. Um, I've never, I don't take it off because it reminds me of of that moment. But I, what I'm saying is, I think that God does speak today. And, you know, I would never say, well, God told me to do something. He usually gives me some information and that I do. He did. I do believe he said, go tell him. And I did. And I chose not to. And there was urgency. And I assumed that two weeks was not a big deal. Um, And so I failed on that one. But uh, but 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 I I would like more people to think that, but he's not going to tell you to do something that's contrary to what the church teaches. He's not going to tell you to do something contrary to the vocation you're in. He's not going to tell you, leave your wife, leave your husband, because I want you to go serve people in Africa. I mean, he, he's not, that's not going to come from God. That's not from God. You know, he's not going to tell, you know, divorce. I mean, those things are not going to be things I think that God is going to say. So sometimes we have to always gauge. What I think we you're on hear. solid ground there. Well, we need to, we need to gauge, we need to gauge against what is the teaching of the church. And if you have any questions, you know, 
go talk it through with a priest on whether it's coming from God, because we always got to be a little bit careful um, to not assume that everything that I'm hearing is from God. Um, because we, it can be from us. It could be from whoever, but if we're in the presence of Jesus, I think that he's, we can trust that he's there. And if we open ourselves up to him, he, he can speak. I mean, that was all at best catechism. That was, that was, that was probably more Trey outside the catechism in terms of, of what you can take it or leave it. I just, there have been moments in my life when I've, when I've um, felt that it was completely other, that it was usually challenging me to do something that maybe I didn't want to do or asking me to do something that I didn't want to do. But when I looked at it in the scope, in the context of what was going on, that it's was something that I had to do in faith that would require me to trust God on that. So it's not, it's not like generally it hasn't been like an easy thing (laughs) and it's been something I could do, not a big thing, but I mean, it hadn't been like, Oh, that's what I wanted to do in the first place. Um, Right. So all those being said, but I would always um, run it by somebody um, as something to, that somebody, a spiritual person that, that is uh, kind of aware of how God works and talks. I've told you this before, and I, one of the most powerful moments in adoration that I've had uh, was quite recently. I covered my father-in-law's early morning adoration hour, and um, I decided to some some something else I had been reading had been encouraging. Read the Gospel of John, read the Gospel of John, read it from you know from start to finish. So I thought, okay, I'll take that with me to adoration, and uh, reading the Gospel of John, and I never had noticed before that the very first words that Christ says in the Gospel of John are to Andrew and Peter, and he says, what are you looking for? Yeah. And reading that in the Adoration Chapel, in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament, in his presence, that was startling. Right. And it was one of the most palpable instances of reading the Scripture and it, and his words on the page, leaping off the page, and right. th- that he's speaking to you. Right, he's speaking to you personally through the word, through himself in the scripture, because he is the divine word. He is the word of God. Right, and and that's how the ch- church usually often teaches to read scripture. Read it slowly. Read it through whatever section you're reading, and so, read it through. Yeah. And so I spent, that was maybe about halfway through my hour. And so I spent the rest of the hour, the, the rest of the hour and the, the next 30 minutes, um, meditating, what, pondering, what, what are you looking for? talking to him, asking, saying that over and over again. Okay. What am I looking for? What am I looking for? Right. What am I looking for? Yeah. And I think that's, and it, it was very, it was very fruitful for me. Well, I think, and so I think that's the way that's, that's, how I would, that would be something that I would say that that was, that was a graced moment that God was oh, for sure. asking you, asking you to actually think about <laughs> what is it you're looking for. And, and I think that's the way when you read scripture and if you read scripture in the presence of Christ, I think you, you have additional graces there to help um, kind of point out things that, and, and things jumping off the page. So to and speak. I think that's an example of also what you're saying of, okay, you could have a moment like that where you're, he's asking you, okay, what are you looking for? And the answer to that, what are you looking for, is not going to be something that's contrary to the gospel, to the law of the church, I'm to looking your for vocation. a million dollars. You know, <laughs> I'm looking for more, you know, fulfillment in my marriage, so no, I'm going to divorce my wife. No, that's... Right. Yeah, no, that's exactly. No, I mean, there. that's always one way you can always judge something that you're hearing. Is it consistent with my vocation, where I find myself, and what I'm doing? Does it does that line up with that? And is it consistent with what the church 
teaches is always a starting point. Two good guideposts. Two, two good guideposts that kind of keep you on track because we can hear things and think it's and attribute it to God when in fact it's pretty easy to say, yeah, it probably wasn't God. That's either you or the evil one. Mm-hmm. But um, but anyway, all that being said, I do think that we should be more expectant and provide more opportunities for God to speak in our life. And that can happen in a multitude of ways. Maybe we need to do a show on discernment and figure that that stuff out on another time. But I think all of us need to realize that God cares about us specifically and our situations specifically. And he's got a plan specifically for us and that he wants to direct and guide us um, in our lives. And we're not just out there free floating, um, but he is. Or freelancing. Or freelancing. Yeah. And we don't want to freelance either. And so um, I think going to Eucharist adoration is a way of putting yourself in his presence. And if you can get comfortable with the silence that, or reading scripture that you can ask him, what do you have for me today that it'll become apparent to you? It may not even be an, an internal audible voice. It'll just maybe a piece or it may be a, oh yeah, I need to do that. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be something that does that. But anyway, we're hopefully this was helpful. It's helpful to me. I got to get on the schedule over there uh, for, for adoration. But I'm going to try to do this the way I've been told, right? Only God can... <laughs> Take the mystery out of parenthood, pray, parent with a purpose, and prepare for God to amaze you. He always will. God bless you guys. Pray for us. We'll be praying for you. Bye.